The Score Fantasy Football Podcast is brought to you by The Score Bet. That's right. We brought you the best sports media app. Now we're bringing you the best sportsbook and casino now live in Ontario, Canada. The Score Bet offers a safe and secure mobile sportsbook experience with both pregame and in-play markets. But best of all, it's integrated into The Score and our content to give you the easiest and most seamless sports betting experience. Download now on iOS and Android. Available in Ontario only. Must be 19 years of age or older to participate. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600. Now let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at the Score. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We got a bunch of teams currently wrapping up their mini camps this week. So, on today's show, I want to run through some of the important items that I think came out of OTAs. And I preach this all the time, but don't overreact to practice reports in May and June. You have to take this stuff in stride because as much as we love the beat writers, we love the team writers, the TV, the radio people, they're all out there at these practices. You have to remember, most of the media members aren't trained scouts and a lot of them aren't even fantasy players. So what they're looking at, what they're seeing, it might not be what you or I are looking for. And if they say a player has a big day at practice, that might just mean that the reporter noticed a couple big catches or something that they made. It's not definitive proof that that player is now destined for a breakout or guaranteed to bust. What you want to hear is multiple reporters, multiple people around the team saying the same thing about a player. That's when my ears perk up. So we're going to go through the news out of these practices with a skeptical eye, but there are also some items that I think are worthwhile to keep in mind for redraft leagues or maybe even to act on right now in keeper dynasty formats. And you know me, I want to try to cover as much as possible on the show. So instead of limiting it to 10 takeaways or something and only doing one episode, I'm going to go through all 32 teams. I'm going to give you my main takeaways for each mini camp, but we're going to have to do it in two parts. So today we'll do part one, part two will come out on Friday. So if you're listening later in the week, make sure you check out part two as well. But for today's show, let's start with the Arizona Cardinals. And there isn't that much big news coming out of the desert right now. The one thing to note is that Kyler Murray did show up to minicamp. And that's the first time that he's actually participated in any of the Cardinals OTAs this year. He's looking for that new contract, which he's almost certainly going to get. Let's face it, just a matter of when it happens. The bad news for Murray is that he's not going to have DeAndre Hopkins for the first six games. So he could start a little bit slower than usual. They're hoping Hollywood Brown can help offset some of that loss felt by Hopkins in the first month or so. I'm not sure Brown's going to be enough to do that. So I'm expecting Murray to start slow this year and then be a buy candidate after the first month. Moving on to the Atlanta Falcons. The interesting news out of Atlanta is they're holding Cordell Patterson out of minicamp. And There's no indication that this is an injury or anything like that. In fact, it's kind of the opposite. They're being overly cautious with them. The Falcons coaching staff, they recognize that last year, Patterson kind of faded down the stretch. It was his first season as a lead running back. He's 31 years old going into this season, albeit doesn't have a ton of tread on his tires, but the team has given him a veteran offseason program to try to build him up here, according to head coach Arthur Smith. So, I wouldn't plan on seeing Patterson much in training camp or in the preseason. I think Atlanta knows that they have limited playmakers in that backfield. They need CPAT to be the guy there. And he's really interesting at his current ADP. He's going to the seventh or eighth round. 
it's risky for sure, but he did finish as the RB 16 in fantasy points per game in PPR scoring last year. So the potential is there for a, an RB two level performance. He could do it again. If he can stay healthy, if he can stay fresh and keeping him out of the off season program, that is one way to help with that on to Baltimore, the Ravens, they got Lamar Jackson on the field for minicamp, just like Kyler Murray. It's good news here. Lamar looking for a new deal as well. Nice to have him in camp, out on the practice field, getting reps with that young receiver core. They need some development. They need the chemistry there. So good to have him out there with them. The thing I'm watching with the Ravens right now, though, is their backfield. J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, working their way back from those ACL tears that happened before last season. They should be ready to go, but it would be surprising to see the team max out either guy's workload early in the year. And that's why the Athletics' Jeff Zarebeck, he speculated recently, said the team's going to manage both running backs' early season workloads, said the team's likely to keep four running backs on the roster because of it. That's another reason why I'm out there grabbing shares of rookie Tyler Beatty, who is a hard runner for his size. He brings some nice pass-catching skills, even though we know the Ravens, they don't like throwing to their backs. Still, Beatty a name to watch in case Dobbins or Edwards can't go for week one. In Buffalo, several beat writers, including Matt Perino of Syracuse.com, talked up rookie running back James Cook's speed in practice, said he looks really fast coming out of the backfield. Now, whether he's limited to a J.D. McKissick-type role or whether he can carve out more and emerge as the lead back there, that remains to be seen. But it is great news that Cook is already flashing in minicamp. I still project Devin Singletary to lead the backfield in touches with Cook being more of that overqualified pass catching specialist. But if Singletary falters, if he gets hurt, Cook could really blow up this season. Let's hit on the Panthers next. It feels like the entire Panthers offense is just in a holding pattern here until the team decides what they're going to do at quarterback. There's been a lot of reports linking them to Baker Mayfield in a trade. I think they also have to be in on the Jimmy Garoppolo hunt. If Jimmy G proves that he's healthy this summer, we'll see about that. I will be shocked, though, if Sam Darnold or Matt Corral is under center in week one, which means if you're in a Superflex Dynasty League, you need help at quarterback. Go try to get Baker or Jimmy G on the cheap right now before they land one of these starting jobs in either Carolina or Seattle or somewhere like that. I will also say Robbie Anderson He's out there walking back his comments about not wanting to play with Baker Mayfield, his tweet about considering retirement. He's walked all that stuff back now. Head coach Matt Rule, he tossed out some kind words for Anderson as well, said he should do pretty well in Ben McAdoo's new system there. I'm not convinced, but if they get a quarterback upgrade, and I think Baker or Jimmy G would be an upgrade, Anderson could improve his numbers a little bit for sure. He's more talented than what we saw last year. I think we can all agree on that. And so is sophomore Terrace Marshall, who's apparently looking much better this offseason. So that's good news. It could breathe a little bit of life back into his projection. Maybe he can even overtake Anderson as the number two there behind DJ Moore. On to Chicago, where we know the situation here. Justin Fields, pretty much going to be on his own for the most part. The team didn't spend up to get him any big ticket weapons. So it's Darnell Mooney, it's Cole Komet, it's David Montgomery, which isn't the worst trio, but for me, I'm looking a little bit deeper on the roster. I'm looking at rookie Vilas Jones. I'm looking at veteran Byron Pringle as these guys who could emerge as that number two receiver. And maybe a lot of fantasy managers aren't realizing that because ADP wise, you can get these guys for nothing at the moment. And I know with Jones, maybe not that exciting. He's a 25 year old rookie. Pringle's going to be 29 this year and hasn't really done that much in his NFL career, despite playing with Patrick Mahomes for most of it. But 
the opportunity is there for somebody to step up. And Vilas Jones got the nod from Darnell Mooney recently when asked about the receiving core. Mooney singled out Jones. He said, when he gets the ball, y'all are going to see he can fly. He can be a playmaker for sure for us. Hat tip to Courtney Cronin at ESPN for that quote. And we see the fantasy community and the dynasty community get some of these rookie picks wrong each year. Jones could be somebody that outperforms his ADP in those dynasty rookie drafts. I can't wait to see him out in the field in the preseason. We'll keep moving here to the Bengals. I will be honest. I really didn't see much noteworthy come out of Cincy for OTAs, but I will use this opportunity to shout out some of the moves that they made on the offensive line during this offseason. They added Lyle Collins, Alex Kappa, Ted Karras. They basically rebuilt the right side of that offensive line, and I don't think people appreciate what that could do for this offense. Helping Joe Mixon find room, giving Joe Burrow more time to look downfield, it is going to be fun to watch the Bengals again, and it's going to be even better rostering some of their skill position players for fantasy, so make sure you do that. Next up is the Browns, and there's a lot we could talk about here. In fact, I find it strange that people aren't talking more about the fact that Deshaun Watson is on the field practicing despite having all these allegations against them. It's just such a bizarre scenario. The number of cases keeps increasing, and some of his answers to the media questions, I mean... They were less than convincing, let's put it that way. But at some point, the NFL is going to weigh in here. Hard to imagine them not giving him a lengthy suspension now. I would expect that we're going to see Jacoby Brissett get plenty of starts this year, but I don't want to focus on that. So let's shine the spotlight on rookie David Bell, who is really impressing in camp, running with the first string offense at times. Multiple beat writers have commented that he just doesn't drop the ball, catches everything that comes his way. I've talked about him already a few times on the show. I'm expecting big things from him in that Jarvis Landry style slot role in this offense. So keep Bell in mind when you're on the clock in any type of fantasy league. The guy is going to be a good fantasy player, maybe as early as this year, if he can carve out the volume. For the Cowboys, I've expressed some concerns about Dak Prescott this offseason. He was the QB9 in fantasy points per game last year, and that was with Amari Cooper on the roster and with Michael Gallup healthy for most of the year. Now he's lost Cooper. Gallup might not be back from this torn ACL until the second half of the season, potentially. But one of the biggest problems for Dak last year was that he wasn't running as much. His rushing stats were way down from where they were in his first few seasons. Well, Mike McCarthy hopes that changes this year. He said he wants Dak to have more rushing opportunities moving forward. Suggested that the team was really cautious with him last year when he was coming back from that leg injury that he suffered in 2020. And if Dak does get the rushing numbers back up, he's going to have a shot to get back into that mid to high end QB one range. But with so many good quarterbacks in that area, I'm likely going to keep my exposure to Dak and check this season. I hope I'm wrong though. I would love to see Dak get back to putting up big fantasy stats for the Broncos. I feel like I could do a whole episode on the Broncos minicamp. We're getting all kinds of reports coming out of Denver about this offense now that Russell Wilson's at the helm. I mean, Cortland Sutton balling out, Jerry Judy in line for a big year, Tim Patrick being underrated and overlooked for 2022. And then you have reports that Javante Williams potentially could take on a bigger role even with Melvin Gordon there. And Gordon saying that he still wants to compete for the lead back job. At tight end, everybody's focused on Albert O, but rookie Greg Dulcich, he's making some noise. He could be a factor. And this is one of those instances where I'm not reading too much into any of these reports in June, but what I am taking away from this is that the Broncos offense must look a heck of a lot better in practice this year for everybody to be noticing it. And so I would make sure that you're going to invest in this offense for fantasy this year. I don't care who it is. 
at their ADPs. I'd be grabbing some of just about everybody that I mentioned there with the exception of maybe Dulcich and redraft. He's more of a dynasty pick, but you want pieces of this Broncos offense this year. For the Lions, DeAndre Swift, killing it in minicamp. That is not surprising at all to us. I talked about him on the must-have players episode last week, so I'm not surprised at all by these reports. We could really just leave it at that. Draft DeAndre Swift. The guy is going to be a monster in fantasy this season. We'll stick in the NFC North. We'll go with the Packers next. I'm not sure what we could take away from minicamp in terms of this receiving core, and that's really what we're trying to figure out right now. Alan Lazard finally signed his RFA tender, and at the moment, he's got to be the favorite to lead the receiving core in targets this year, and that's because Christian Watson, their second-round pick, he's a pretty raw prospect, super athletic, but has a lot to learn at the position. Romeo Dubs, the other rookie, reportedly outplayed him in some of the practices, so Keep dubs on your radar as well. And don't rule out Sammy Watkins being more involved than people think. I'm not really buying into it that much, but Matt LaFleur, he said Watkins is going to be a big part of this offense. That's one of those vague quotes. Like, what does big part actually mean? It could mean anything. It could mean he plays a lot of snaps. Doesn't necessarily mean he's going to get a ton of targets. We saw in Kansas City that happened with Watkins, right? He often got a lot of playing time, didn't always produce that much, didn't produce very consistently either. So, I'm projecting the Packers are going to spread the ball around more this year. Aaron Rodgers, he'll find a way to make it work, but they're going to use a lot of pass catchers along the way, which sadly won't be ideal for fantasy. The Texans have a lot of questions fantasy-wise, but they continue to heap praise on quarterback Davis Mills. He's going into his sophomore season. I don't anticipate that he is going to be the starter in Houston a year from now, but sure seems like they like him. And if he performs well this year, They're going to have a pretty tough decision to make. Either way, fantasy-wise, you're not looking at Mills outside of two quarterbacks, super flex leagues. The only real fantasy options for the Texans are Brandon Cooks, who is always underrated. Take some flyers in the backfield. Marlon Mack, rookie Damian Pierce, even Rex Burkhead. You could get real cheap and see if he ends up getting the lead back job again after he ended up getting a bunch of starts last year. And maybe tight end Brevin Jordan. He's more of a a tight end too, but there's definitely some upside there if he can emerge as sort of the de facto number two receiver in that offense. Guys like Nico Collins, John Mechie, they're just dynasty stashes for now. I'm not looking at them in redraft at all. For the Colts, I will admit it. I am getting sucked into the Paris Campbell hype train again. I know he can't stay healthy. I know he always looks good in the offseason practices. It happens every single year. And then he breaks our heart closer to the season or early in the season and they put him on IR. But Matt Ryan, who apparently Matt Ryan is winning people over very quickly in Indy. They're really excited to see what he can do in this offense. Ryan is targeting Campbell a lot, according to all the beat writers. And there's targets available behind Michael Pittman. I mean, rookie Alec Pierce is an option, but he profiles more as a red zone guy, as a contested catch guy downfield. There really isn't a tight end on the roster who stands out at the moment. Moali Cox hasn't really put it together at any point in his career. Rookie Jelani Woods might take him a little bit of time. In the backfield, obviously, we know Jonathan Taylor's amazing, but Naheem Hines, he'll probably see a little more work as a pass catcher out of the backfield there. How much will he really get, though, in terms of target share? Campbell has the ability to be the starting slot guy and to get a ton of volume in that role. And he could turn into a Keenan Allen-like player who deals with injuries early in his career and then brings it all together, gets healthy, and emerges as a star. So it is an extreme long shot at this point. I admit that, but at his current price, I'm willing to throw a chip on Campbell shock in the world here. Now, Jacksonville. Jacksonville is another team where we could spend a lot of time on them. 
I want to narrow it down to their backfield, though. Travis Etienne getting a ton of hype. He's coming back from the Liz Frank surgery on his foot. That tends to reduce a player's performance in their first year back. We know that from what we've heard from injury analyst Edwin Porras, who was on recently a couple weeks ago. He was on with us. He mentioned Etienne, talked about James Robinson in that backfield a little bit. You can go back and listen to that episode if you haven't already. But Etienne, drawn rave reviews right now for his speed, for his skill and practice. Looks like his old self from an explosiveness standpoint, according to Jaguar Reports, John Shipley. And that's important because of Robinson's situation. He's coming off that torn Achilles that he suffered in December. And I know Robinson's out there. He's running around a little bit in the field. People might see those videos, but he hasn't been cleared to run at full speed yet. And even if he does play this year, there's no guarantees that Robinson's going to be the same version of himself that we've seen the last couple of years here. He might be more like what we saw from Cam Akers when Akers rushed back and from the Achilles tear in January and played in the playoffs, didn't really look like himself. So I would temper your expectations for Robinson. Keep that Etienne hype train going within reason though we'll see how high his ADP gets I fear that we could see him going and even up into the second round potentially by the time August drafts roll around but if Robinson can't go if he's limited just remember the Jags are likely going to find somebody else to get involved there with Etienne maybe it could be Snoop Connor the rookie I know he's garnered a few tweets recently with his practice performances he's got good size also has some pass catching chops to go with it so Could be a nice compliment to Etienne if Robinson isn't ready to go. For the Chiefs, we have two things here. The first is that they re-signed Jarek McKinnon. And what does that mean for this backfield? Well, it means they needed more depth behind Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Ronald Jones. That's what it means. They didn't really trust any of the other options that they had there. And I know McKinnon, he was great in the postseason last year, but they're going to give CEH every possible chance to earn that starting job. And if he can... It's his backfield. But if he can't or if he gets hurt again, Ronald Jones and McKinnon, they could form a pretty nice tandem there. Jones, a very strong runner. McKinnon, that versatile pass catching weapon. It's just this is a good organization making a smart move, adding depth, somebody that they know that can deliver in that offense when he's called upon. They've seen him do it before. And they expect that they are going to compete for a Super Bowl this year. And they know you need a lot of running backs to do that at this point. It is a position where guys are going to get hurt and they've had that happen to them over the last few seasons. So I like the McKinnon signing in Dynasty. If he was sitting out there on your waiver wire, I would definitely go grab him and toss him onto your bench and see if he can earn a regular role or if we see CH get hurt, something like that, and McKinnon end up stepping in at some point in the season. The other thing that I think we should talk about is the receiving core where we've heard good things about Juju Smith-Schuster, Sky Moore, Marcus Valdez-Scantling. All of them have had their moments in minicamp. And we've heard Patrick Mahomes come out and say that they're going to spread the ball around more with Tyreek Hill gone. That this is a situation kind of like I talked about with the Packers receivers where the sum is better than the individual parts for fantasy. I do want pieces of all of them though. So I am looking to get... Juju would be my top target among the three, more second, MVS third, but they're all going to be factors at different points this year. And if you're asking, what about UDFA Justin Ross? He actually hasn't practiced the first two days in minicamp. I didn't see an update there yet, so we'll keep on the lookout for why he's been off the field. Hopefully it's not injuries because we know injuries are the reason why he wasn't drafted. If he continues to miss time doesn't bode well for his chances of sticking on an NFL roster. So sending out some good vibes to Ross in hopes that he can get back out there and he can have a long NFL career. And that's it. That's the halfway point for today. We've gone through 16 teams. 
I'll be back on Friday. We will do the other 16 then. We'll start with the Raiders and we'll run all the way through to the Washington Commanders. If you're looking for more fantasy content before then, I would encourage you go check out my breakouts column that came out earlier this week. My bus candidates, that's going to go up on Thursday. And then we'll have sleepers next week. We'll have players who are going to lead you to a title this year, risky picks, super deep sleepers, tons of stuff coming out over the next couple of weeks. As always, you can find all my content exclusively at the score. You can also follow me on Twitter at Justin Boone. I tweet out a lot of the links there as well. I'll be back Friday with part two of my mini camp takeaways. But until then, big thanks to the beat writers for grinding out all the OTA info for us. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening. And we'll see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time Leave on time with me tonight